0: Hey, what's up everyone? Good morning and welcome to our Water's Edge online Sunday morning worship experience. Once again, thank you so very much for tuning in and hanging out with us today. If you're wondering about the change of scenery, we just want you to know that we're filming this right now while your church, the Water's Edge gathering, is sheltering overnight people from the homeless community and other people who don't have power and they needed a warm place to sleep because the weather has just been freezing thank you so much for allowing us to do that and so we're actually filming tonight from one of our good friends he's one of our leaders our volunteer leaders at the water's edge ryan dickerson his wife bailey at their nutrition shop 116 downtown check it out if you have the chance it's a really cool place so that's what we're filming so thank you so very much for tuning in for those of you that continue to worship with us online through giving and generosity Thank you so very much for doing that. You allow us to shelter people like we've been doing this week when it gets too cold outside for them to survive. You allow us to help more people, love more people, feed more people, and serve more people. Thank you so very much for your generosity and worshiping God through giving from a heart of joy. Thank you so very much for doing that. You know, sometimes growing up as teenagers, We needed our parents' signatures on permission slips, maybe to not dress out for PE or to have an off-campus lunch or maybe a homework assignment slip or maybe some sort of, uh, I don't know, maybe we were going out of town on a field trip or a slip for that, whatever permission slip. And sometimes as kids, as teenagers growing up, junior high, most of the time in high school, we we forged our parents' names on some of those permission slips, especially some of those homework assignment slips. If I were to ask you right now to comment or to raise your hand if you ever, as a teenager, forged your parents' signature on some sort of permission slip, we would all raise our hand. But honestly, sometimes religion and church and Christianity And the Christian faith has done something very similar with God's name. In the past and even today, we have forged God's signature to certain things that his name should not be forged on. We have forged God's signature to promises that God never made. Listen to me. In the past, religion and church and Christianity has forged God's signature to promises that Jesus never made. And the reason why is because there's this temptation inside of religion and inside of church to put this happy bow and this happy package around our faith. Everyone wants to believe that their faith has these real world guarantees. Almost like make it make sense. If I do this, then God has to do that. If I do this right in faith, then God's going to do that for me. A plus B equals C. And it's all going to work out great if you have faith. If it doesn't, then maybe you start to think there's something wrong with your faith. And so we start to believe that if I do this right in faith for God, then God's going to do that for me. And honestly, one of the reasons why churches do this and one of the reasons why religion has taught this and embraced this is because people who come to church, they really like that. People who come to church, they really, really, really do love that message that if I do this right in faith, then God's going to do that for me. Everyone who comes to church, everyone who embraces the religion, they want to know and they want to believe that their faith has real world guarantees. And when someone comes along and tells them that their faith in God produces real world guarantees, well, that sells. Man, they love that. They buy that. Listen, because of this, what churches end up teaching and what churches end up believing is this, and remember this today, and this is what most people think about faith. That if I do this in faith, then God must do that. So remember that today. Most people embrace that and believe that. That if I do this, then God's gonna do that. If I do, then God must. If I do this in faith, then God must keep his promises. And church people love to buy that and that sells. That sells books that sells seats at conferences, that fills up buildings. If I do this in faith, then God's gonna do that for me. But the problem is this, it overlooks the fact that from the very beginning, from the very beginning of Christianity, the early disciples taught this, and the early disciples believed this. From the very beginning of Christianity, our faith The early church taught this and the early church believed this and this is what it is and notice this today if you're still with me, Sam's still with you, that the worst possible thing happened to the best possible person. That's what we believe since the very beginning and that's what we've taught since the very beginning That the worst possible thing happened to the best possible person, and that was the cross. That the most innocent among us was falsely accused and publicly murdered. And this is the question that we need to wrestle with today. Considering all that, this is the question that arises in our hearts, in our mind, and concerning our faith. And notice this, if life put Jesus through it, then what makes you think life is not going to put you through it too? If life put Jesus through that chaos and through that darkness, and through that pain. What makes us think that we're exempt, that we're not gonna go through it too? And so today we continue with our current New Year series called Warrior. And this series is all about building strength and resilience in our life and holding on to God. But sometimes life feels so exhausting and so confusing and so heavy, it feels like I'm trying very hard to hold on to God, but God's not really holding on to me. And when you feel that way in this life, that you're trying hard to hold on to God, but because of your circumstances, it just feels like God's not holding on to you, what do you do then? What do you do when it feels like everything about your storms and everything about your circumstances is pointing you towards that maybe there's this reality that God's not there? What do you do when you believed your whole life that if I do this right in faith, God's gonna do that for me, but now my world is falling apart. What do you do then when it just doesn't seem to work for you and it seems like you're trying so hard to hold on to Jesus, but God is not holding on to you? I mean, we're all tempted to judge our circumstances based off of how we think God is working in our circumstances, and we're all tempted to judge God's love and faithfulness in our life by our circumstances or our understanding of those circumstances. So what do you do with this idea about faith, that if I do this in faith, God's going to do that for me? What do you do when your world falls apart or someone that you love, their world falls apart? What do you do then? Well, this is what most people do. They start asking this question, and notice this today, if you're still with me, say I'm still with you. What did I do wrong to deserve this and what can I do right to fix this? And so we live with this constant fear and this constant anxiety anytime we think about God and Jesus and our faith and our relationship with Jesus and I'm going through something that's difficult and I'm going through something that's heavy and I'm going through something that's very confusing and I'm going through something that's just overwhelming and I'm just folding Underneath these circumstances, we're all tempted to think, because of what we've been taught, that faith is, if I do this right, God will do that. What did I do wrong to deserve this, and what can I do right to fix this? And we go throughout our day, and as we pray, and as we go to church, and as we try to do what's right, and as we try to do the next right thing, as we try to get closer to God, we're always asking, because our life is getting difficult, what did I do wrong to deserve this, and what can I do right? to fix this. This formula just messes us up because when we truly believe this formula, this is sort of what happens to us. Things are going great. They've been pretty good for a while, and so we thank God for all that, but then we get relaxed with God and with church, but then I go through something tough. I go through something confusing. I go through something difficult, and because of that, I run back to Jesus, and I run back to church, and I run back to God with this question in my mind. My life is in pain. What did I do wrong to deserve this, and what can I start doing right to fix this. And honestly, that is not the correct way to look at our faith in Jesus. And that's not how Jesus wants us to live. He doesn't want you to live this life constantly asking that question. What did I do wrong to deserve all of this? And what can I do right to fix this? Because when we live like that, that if I do this in faith, God's gonna do that for me. When we believe that, not only does that spin our mind and our soul into confusion when life is difficult, But it also leads us to this question, and notice this today. Why is God blessing those people more than me? I know those people. Those people are not better than me. In fact, I know those people, and a lot of those people are worse than me. So why does it seem like God is blessing their life more than what he's blessing me? Why does it seem like their life is easier than mine? So again, what did I do wrong to deserve this? What did they do right to deserve what they're getting? And what can I do right to fix this. See, what happened was this. Religion has forged God's name like we did as kids growing up to promises that God never made. And one of the reasons this has happened is because modern day churches and religion has blended. Now remember this. I'm going to teach you something today. They blended the wrong promises together. Modern day religion and Christianity has blended the promises in the Old Testament with the promises in the New Testament in ways they have never should have been blended. Let me explain it to you in this way. In the Old Testament, God had a covenant or a contract with the nation of Israel, not with individual people, but this covenant, this contract was with them as a nation, the nation of Israel. And this was the contract agreement that God had with the ancient nation of Israel. If you do this, I will do that. But that was in the old testament and that was the old covenant and the old contract with the ancient nation of israel it was for them as a nation and not as individuals if you do this I will do that. And this arrangement that God had with Israel back then was not a contract that God had with personal individuals and their lives. When the nation's leaders were doing right, God would bless the nation of Israel. When the nation's leaders were doing wrong, God would not bless the nation of Israel. But that was between God and the ancient nation of Israel. Again, not a contract between God and individual people. When the nation broke the rules, God did not bless them. But again... This was not the covenant or the promises or the contract that God had through Jesus for us in the New Testament. Also back then, it was a way for the nation of Israel to know if their leaders were obeying God. If they were doing right, the people could see God is blessing our nation. If they were doing wrong, the people could see God is not blessing our nation. But again, this was not a contract in the Old Testament between God and people. It was between God and Israel only. But the term New Testament means a new contract or a new covenant. This is a new covenant, and this new contract with Jesus is not with nations, not with nations, but with individuals. In this new contract with Jesus, we do not look to our circumstances to decide if God is in our life, or if God is holding on to us, or if God loves us, or if God is being faithful to us. If Jesus loves us or he does not love us, we do not look to our circumstances to decide that because again, with Jesus, the worst possible thing happened to the best possible person. Jesus lived, he died on the cross, he rose from the dead and when we give our life to Jesus today, when we follow Jesus, we receive his spirit and he goes on to us and this is the new covenant. This is the new contract that we find in the New Testament and this new contract does not look like this. If I do this, God will do that. That's not what our faith looks like, and that's not what the New Testament teaches. No, in this new contract relationship with Jesus, we don't look to our circumstances to judge how much God loves us or how God is going to stay faithful to us. No, this is what we look to, and remember this today. If you're still with me, say I'm still with you. We look to a single event known as the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, Simply put, this is what we look to to judge God's love for us and how God is holding on to us and God's faithfulness to our life. We look to the cross of Jesus Christ. This is how we know that Jesus loves us and holds on to us forever. Not because our, of our life is easy or how less difficult it is, but because of a single event that happened on a hill outside of Jerusalem known as the crucifixion of Jesus Jesus was publicly crucified for you and for me. The worst possible thing happened to the best possible person. And if life did that to Jesus, what makes you think that life is not going to do that to you too? If life crushed him, sometimes life is going to crush us too. This is why we need to fight to be warriors. And this is why we need to fight to develop resilience. Because of Jesus, when you follow Jesus, you're in a right relationship with God no matter what. You, have, you never have to wonder if God is with you. You never have to wonder if God loves you. You never have to wonder if God forgives you. He does and he's holding on to you forever, no matter what. But religion and church has blended the wrong things. We have mixed the wrong things. So now we have hurting people living this life, thinking this way, when life is great, I must be doing something right because God is on my side. But when life is falling apart, they walk around thinking this, what did I do wrong to deserve this? And what can I do right to fix this? If I do this, then God must do that. And that kills our faith. It kills our spirit. It kills our strength. And it kills our resilience because it's simply not true. And that is not the New Testament. And it's not the new contract. Jesus even talked about this new covenant. He even talked about this new contract between God and us as individuals at the Last Supper, right before he was arrested and right before he was murdered. Notice what he says in Luke chapter 22, verses 19 through 20. He took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, he took another cup of wine and said, this cup is the new covenant the new contract between God and his people in agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. This is the new covenant. Jesus says, this is the brand new contract that has not existed until this moment. This is the brand new promise that never existed until now. You're not gonna find this in the old contract. You're not gonna find this in the old covenant. Don't blend the two because this is brand new. It's never existed before. It's not the same thing that God had with the nation of Israel. If you do this, I'm gonna do that. No, no, no. That does not exist anymore. This is a brand new contract with God and individuals through the blood of Jesus. And the New Testament is constantly reminding us of this, that we're not in the old contract anymore. We're not in the old covenant anymore. And we're in the new contract. And the New Testament always, Teaches us this that the new contract is better than the old one. Jesus promised us his promises peace that the world cannot understand. Eternity and eternal fellowship with God. A love that'll never let us go no matter what. A forgiveness that'll be there always no matter what for your past, your present, and your future. His spirit that'll be there for us no matter what. We're sealed with the spirit until he returns in a cleansing of our past. Check this out, Hebrews chapter nine, verses 13 through 15 under the old system the old contract the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a a cow or a heifer could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity just think of how much more the blood of christ will purify our consciousness from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living god for by the power of the eternal spirit christ offered himself to god as the perfect sacrifice for our sins that is why he is the one who mediates a new contract a new covenant between God and people, so that all who are called can receive the eternal inheritance that God has promised them. For Christ died to set them free from the penalty of sins they committed under the old first contract. Our promises are better because they're eternal. Jesus gave us eternal peace through his blood, eternal hope through his blood, eternal love through his blood, eternal forgiveness through his blood, and eternal purpose through his blood that'll never go away. And so because God does not want you to live this life always walking around thinking, what did I do wrong to deserve this? And what can I start doing right to fix this? Living under that constant guilt and heaviness because that's not true, if I do this, then God must do that. Then what can help us build resilience? What can help us be a warrior? What can help us build our strength back up when our life just falls apart? Well, this is it, and notice this today. If you're still with me, Sam's still with you. Don't judge God's presence in your life by your circumstances, and don't judge his faithfulness by your circumstances in your life either, because sometimes we have to understand what we call there's the other side of faith. Now remember that today. There's the other side of faith. And so when everything is going great in our life, it's almost tempting to believe if I do this right, then God's gonna do that. Why? Because everything is going good and everything is going right. But what happens when everything falls apart? Where is God's love then? Well, understand we have to be aware of the other side of faith. And so remember this today in Romans chapter eight. What shall we say then about such wonderful things as this? If God is for us, who can be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? The worst possible thing happened to the best possible person. Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us a right standing with himself. Who then's going to condemn us? No one. For Christ died for us and was raised to life for us, and he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean that he no longer loves us if we have trouble? So we're gonna have it. If we have calamity, so we're gonna have it. If we're persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death, There's the other side of faith. It's not always gonna be great. We're gonna have it. As the scriptures say, for your sake, we're killed every day. We're being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ, who loved us, and I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death, nor life, nor angels or demons, neither our fears for today, our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love, nor powers in the sky above or earth below. Indeed, nothing in all of creation can ever separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. When life is great, it feels like God's love is all around you, but when life is tough, it's devastating because it feels like you're working hard to hold on to God, but He's not holding on to you. But under this new contract, Under this new promise of Jesus, his love is always gonna be there no matter what. In this life, nothing can separate you from God's love. Life or death cannot separate you from God's love. So don't judge God's love by your circumstances. Angels and demons can't separate you from God's love. Fears or worries can't separate you from God's love. Not even the powers of hell below you or above you can separate you from God's love. And so don't judge God's faithfulness in your life by your circumstances, your circumstances will change, but God's love will never change. So what do you do when your circumstances feel like they're just crushing you and you need some resilience? We could put it this way and notice this today. If you're still with me, say I'm still with you. What do I do when it feels like I'm holding on to God, but he's not holding on to me because of my hurt? That's always the question that we think about. What do you do? What do I do then? Well, sometimes the first step is to change your wrong mindsets about faith and start believing the right way about faith in God, and that is this. It is not. Faith is not, if I do this, then God's going to do that. That is not the new contract. That is not the New Testament faith. Rather, this is what it is, and understand this and notice this today. God gives me eternity, when I follow Jesus. The Old Testament for the nation, it was this. If you do this, I'm gonna do that. But that's not how we live our life today when we follow Jesus. This is the promise that we claim. The moment I follow Jesus, God gives me everything in eternity. Eternal love, and it'll never go away. Nothing can separate me from that. Eternal forgiveness, eternal assurance, eternal joy, eternal hope, eternal purpose, and nothing can separate me from that. And so because God has already given me eternity through Jesus, then what do I do when my circumstances and my life and my storms is confusing me? Well, this is what you do. Have some courage. Have some hope. Have some faithful resilience. Have some faithful resilience because nothing can separate you from God's love. Notice the final example of some of the heroes of faith in the scriptures. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 33 through 38. Know that both sides of the faith, sometimes it's so powerful and life is great. Sometimes life is exhausting, but we hold on anyway. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back from the dead. That seems like that's awesome. Man, that's great. They're having all these victories, all this strength, all these promises are being fulfilled. If that's faith, I'll want it. But also, notice the other side of it too because these people were just as faithful and they loved God just as much. Notice what it says. It says, But others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection, that's talking about eternity. Some were jeered at and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained and imprisoned. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half. Others were killed with a sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute, homeless, and oppressed, and mistreated. They were too good for this world, wandering around in deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. Notice both sides of the faith. Sometimes as we follow Jesus, man, life is awesome and we feel strong, but sometimes life is falling apart. So what do you do when life is great? You have some faithful resilience and hold on to God because he's holding on to you. But what do you do when life is falling apart? Hold on to God. What do you do when it feels like God is not holding on to you? Hold on to God anyway because he's still holding on to you. And have some faithful resilience because nothing can separate you from his love. And he loves you perfectly. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Thank you so much for tuning in. We absolutely love you. Now stay tuned for an amazing time of worship with the amazing Waters Edge worship team. We'll see you next week.